This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Wednesday afternoon, December 14th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. Nearly half of American workers are hoping for a promotion or raise in the new year. We'll discuss strategies to help climb the ladder in our next segment. But right now, the Federal Reserve set to release its latest statement on interest rates in the next hour. Let's get a preview from David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors based in Denver. David, thanks for joining us today. It's it seems like the big market mover is not the actual interest rate hike announcement itself. Uh, it would be a real surprise if it was anything other than half a percentage point. But the real news will come out of parsing the news conference afterwards. That's exactly right. Um, if I were Chairman Powell in that news conference, I would try to sound a little bit more hawkish than the market is expecting because I want, I I think Chairman Powell wants to convince everyone in the market that he's still in the business of fighting inflation, even though we've seen some decent progress and at least coming off the peak in the rate of increase in prices. Um, But I think the Fed still has a big job to do. And uh, we're starting to see inflation pick up in areas like food and wages and services after it's begun to come down, as noted, in uh, goods like automobiles and other items. So uh, the Fed still has a job to do, and it does not want to quit in that job until the job is done. And there was an interesting piece in the Wall Street Journal this morning about the uh, degree to which uh, people pick apart Chairman Powell's statements that the markets could actually move uh, on the qualifier for how he will describe in, in for for further interest rate hikes, uh, if if there's a certain type of phrasing, uh, the markets will assume that uh, maybe they could back off next year. Oh, and without any question, and I think that's what the Fed chairman has to be careful about. The Fed could say, "Look, we're going to raise interest rates some more, but you know, maybe not quite as much." Uh, as we have been, uh, we can go slower in rate hikes um, than we have been, which I think, in fact, will be the case. But I think the Fed has to emphasize that they're going to stick with it. And one important point to make is we're not just seeing that Fed target interest rate head higher uh, as we go into next year. I've got it moving up by March of next year to 5% after it ends this year in a range of four and a quarter to four and a half. Um, But uh, we're seeing that Fed balance sheet come down, which is the equivalent of raising uh, rates even further. So um, I think the Fed's going to stick with 
the anti-inflation stance, and I think the Fed chairman should emphasize that. The uh, Very quickly, the uh, Bank of England announcing today that interest rates have gone down uh, on, in the U.K. Not interest rates, but the inflation is also easing in the U.K. And it, seeing as inflation might be peaking all over the world, is that going to inform the Fed's decision going forward? No question. Um, uh, the Fed will be watching data very closely. I'll just simply add one more negative and that's the Biden administration's battle against fossil fuels. We've seen great movement in gasoline prices, partly because demand has weakened or been destroyed by how high gas prices moved up. But um, I do think that we have to remember that a big factor was reducing that petroleum reserve and eventually uh, they have to rebuild that. So um, my view is energy prices are going to go higher and we could even see some shortages this winter. David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors in Denver, Colorado. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, some of the best ways to earn a promotion or a raise. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. As the calendar turns to 2023, many workers are looking at ways to move up at work through a raise or a promotion or hopefully both. Let's get some insight from Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm Two Discern based in Chicago. Rick, thanks for joining us today. Interesting statistic that 50% of American workers are hoping for a promotion or a raise in 2023. You think that number would be higher? Yeah, you would. But I think people are a little bit concerned about the the recession or whatever particular economy we're talking about now. And and the other part of it is um, I think that there are people who, because of the compression of businesses, have actually done pretty well where they are and not looking to rock the boat. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting you mentioned uh, you know, fears about the possible economic downturn in 2023. Uh, one of my former colleagues, Gary Meyer, had a great line, which was, there's always a recession in the general manager's office. If uh, you are asking for a raise or a promotion, they'd always point to the economy as saying that's the reason why we can't do it, even if it's going great guns at the present time. So if we are talking about a potential economic downturn in 2023, uh, how can you uh, respond to a boss who says, I can't, you know, recession's on the way. Yeah. Well, I think you've got to do your homework. There's two pieces to this. There's the, there's the, the analytical part of it, which is what do the numbers say? And then there's also uh, the emotional part of it, which is how do you fit in the organization? Who do you report to? How's that chemistry? So let's look at the, the analytical part first. How does your salary stack up to people internally and externally who have the same sort of function that you do. And you can find that out. You can even do, you know, cold reach outs to people uh, on on LinkedIn about, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about this and I'm wondering what if you could share your a range of your compensation ranges. You certainly know in your organization generally who's making what. And you can also ask that from HR. But the more important than that is what have you done lately? You know, if your comp range is, you know, say you're between 50 and 60,000 a year, you know, you have to rationalize or justify what it is that you've done that makes you worth that and more. So you have to be able to articulate what have you been doing lately? If you're, if you're looking for a raise because your chemistry has slid with your boss, this is probably not the right way to go. And then can you describe what you've done in a financial way? Can you talk about your wins at, as they would matter to the person you're having the conversation with? And those are the, those are the first three things that you've got to do. Next, you've got to look at the timing. It's critical to make sure that when you're talking to the person who has a chance to give you a raise, 
that you're not trying to interrupt them in the middle of a critical problem. You're not looking to, to create problems. You're trying to solve them. And then practice your script. So those are the things, and I think that probably over all of that, given the current recession situation, is you can't make this a, a make-or-break conversation. It has to be a calm, fact, fact-based, amicable conversation, which doesn't uh, take you to the point where if I don't get the money I want, I have to quit. You, you can't draw the line in the sand. Economics are too tumultuous right now. And it, does it necessarily have to be a, uh, a, a a raise in your compensation? Could you also walk away with maybe a new bonus arrangement and consider that a win? Absolutely. There's a lot of variability here. You can look at opportunities. If you've been stepping up and, and doing more than the average person at your level, that's one thing. But there's also ways to look at that and say, you know, I see that we're really struggling with this particular part of our business. I'd be I'd, I'd love to get in there and, and help on that. You know, if I can do that, would you consider the idea of maybe uh, factoring that into my bonus at the end of the year or my compensation? Um, I think the other thing you look at is the things that you're doing that you do and nobody pays attention to that uh, you have to make sure that you can articulate to your boss. Hey, you know, I've been doing this project now for the last year. It was something that was going to be temporary, but it's become part of my job. You know, I, I just want to make sure that we're recognizing that in, in the amount of work that I'm doing. So be ready to talk articulately about who you are and how it matters to them in the business. Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern in Chicago. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Personal Finance Wednesday. In this segment, we're looking at the most important times to reach out for help from a financial advisor. We welcome in Christine Benz, Director of Personal Finance and Retirement Planning at Morningstar, based in Chicago. Christine, thanks for joining us today. Uh, more often than not, maybe you will get the advice of a financial advisor for free on the WBBM Noon Business Hour, but when's a good time in your life? What circumstances necessitate uh, paying for one? Well, I would say major life changes are often a good catalyst for getting some financial advice. So certainly divorce, you'll probably get some financial advice from your estate or from your attorney that you're using, but you might want to hire a separate financial advisor to figure out what to do with your investments and, and how things are different from, for you going forward after divorce. So divorce, death of a spouse, certainly birth of a child can be a good point to get some advice on whether you should prioritize college savings in addition to retirement planning. Windfalls, where people inherit funds from parents, oftentimes that can be a great point to get financial advice. And then kind of the Mac Daddy of a, a pivot point for financial advice would be if you're on the cusp of retirement, if you're within, say, five years of retirement, or maybe you've just retired, it's a great time to get a set of eyes on how much you're spending from your portfolio when you'll claim Social Security, how your investment should be positioned. And then as a financial advisor, uh, what is your primary responsibility with a client? Is it telling them to do something or telling them to not do something? 
That's a good question. And I think it's so important for consumers to be knowledgeable about what they're looking for in advisors. So, um, you know, you want to make sure that you are either seeking a financial planner who's a CFP, a certified financial planner, or a um, uh, maybe a registered investment advisor, an RIA. So you want to get familiar with the credentials, but oftentimes that is the right answer from the financial advisor. Maybe you've been managing your investments very effectively and you've given a lot of thought to things like what is an appropriate mix of stocks relative to safe investments. And the, the advisor may earn his or her keep by telling you just to sit, sit tight with that program. Yeah, and in some cases, you might actually, you're not relying on a financial advisor to create the plan for you. Maybe you just want a financial advisor to tell you that the plan that you do have is actually the right one. Exactly. And that's why I am a big uh, believer in consumers looking for advice on an hourly basis, where if they do just have those questions, those kind of one-off questions or problems, that can be a terrifically cost-effective way to pay for advice rather than signing on with an advisor on kind of an all-in basis where you're paying him or her a stream of your portfolio on an ongoing basis. Just writing a check as you would do with an attorney or an accountant, that can often be the most cost-effective way for people to approach it if they just have kind of that single question or maybe a couple of questions or problems that they want to consult on. Christine Benz, Director of Personal Finance and Retirement Planning at Morningstar, based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Still ahead in this Personal Finance Wednesday, some year-end money moves to maximize your cash and investments. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Arrests have been made in a recent string of armed robberies, mainly on Chicago's north side. The Jane Byrne Interchange project in downtown Chicago is complete after close to a decade of work in Personal Finance Wednesday. Money moves to make before the end of the year, and your holiday gifts could include a gift card you don't need or can't use. We'll learn about selling it. WBBM business. The markets are higher. The Dow is up 213 points. The NASDAQ is up 51. S&P 500 up 23. 43 degrees right now in Chicago under cloudy skies. Topping out at 44 today. Cloudy, rainy. It's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour. Chicago police have announced the arrests of four men in connection with a series of armed robberies that occurred on Monday. Now they're investigating whether they're connected to a string of as many as 50 similar crimes that occurred last week. Police Superintendent David Brown urging the court system to hold the suspects without bond. Every moment that they're going to be out of jail, whether on electronic monitoring or otherwise on bail or bond, is they'll be committing more robberies. They're a threat to this community. They're a threat to our officers' safety. These are dangerous people and they need to be held till trial. WBBM's Carolina Garibay is covering this developing story. She'll have much more coming up at 1 o'clock. A ribbon cutting was held this morning to mark the completion of the Jane Byrne interchange reconstruction. The late mayor's daughter, Kathy, says her family is touched by the lasting tribute to her mother's memory and legacy. I had the unique pleasure of telling my mom that, no, they're not dedicating a highway ramp to you, Mom. It's a really big thing. 
The Illinois Department of Transportation says the massive project will improve safety, congestion, and travel options in downtown Chicago. It's 1232. The noon business hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are higher today. We're joined by Vahan Janjigian, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management, based in Greenwich, Connecticut. Vahan, thanks for joining us today. And it seems like uh, today's uh, market activity merely a uh, prelude to what's coming up about 28 minutes from now. That's right. Yeah. What the market's doing right at this moment uh, is really largely irrelevant. What really matters is what the Fed says at two o'clock and, of course, what Jay Powell says at his uh, press conference starting at um, half an hour later. So uh, obviously the market is up because there's uh, anticipation that the Fed will be uh, reducing its rate increases. Um, everybody's expecting a 50 point, uh, 50 basis point increase today, um, which is uh, down from the uh, recent 75 basis point increases that they've given us the last four meetings. So there's an expectation that the Fed's going to start uh, slowing down the rate increases. Um, in my estimation, I don't even think 50 is necessary. We're starting to see a lot of evidence that um, inflation is coming down. But but I expect the Fed to go 50 basis points at this meeting, maybe 25 basis points on, on February 1st, and then hopefully uh, they will stop there. How fine-toothed of a comb will people use to uh, uh, parse the uh, the statements that Jay Powell makes during the news conference after the announcement? I mean, how granular are we talking here? Well, very granular. I mean, they're they're going to look for evidence of uh, of the Fed giving some indication that uh, they're succeeding in uh, in fighting inflation and that they'll be able to avoid. Um, causing a recession or at least a severe recession. But remember what happened at the last meeting. Um, We saw the press release. It was very encouraging. The stock market rallied very strongly. And then just half an hour later when uh, Powell gave his press conference, he contradicted some of the things that were in the statement. And all of a sudden we saw the market plunge. Um, So we had a huge swing that day alone. So You know, in my view, uh, we should eliminate these press conferences because uh, I think the press statement is uh, is good enough. I mean, it's very clear. It's short. It's to the point. It tells us everything we need to know. Um, I'm I'm not a big fan of seeing the Fed chairman uh, standing in front of a bunch of reporters who are very skilled at asking the same question in many different ways uh, to cause him to say something that contradicts what was said before. It just causes too much market volatility. Yeah, everybody has a brain cramp from time to time. And if you're the chairman of the Federal Reserve, that could result in a major swing in the markets. <laughs> right. That's a, that's absolutely true. Um, I don't see the point of doing that. So the, the statement's enough. It tells us what we need to know. Um, and I'm, I'm encouraged that the Fed is succeeding in reducing inflation. Am I actually surprised that uh, we haven't seen um, a recession. They seem to be uh, doing this uh, very well. And and I also agree that interest rates do need to go a little bit higher from here. I don't think they need to go a lot higher, um, but uh, I don't think the Fed needs to be doing very aggressive hikes anymore. And then very quickly, just looking back at the early 1980s, which was the last time uh, the, the Federal Reserve you know tipped the economy into a recession uh, to finally choke out inflation, which had been plaguing the economy for a decade uh, by that point. How have the analytical tools improved in the last 40 years uh, to give uh, the Fed and other analysts uh, kind of a more uh, a better idea of what's going on in the economy in real time? Uh, they've improved a lot. So we have a lot more data and we have a lot more real-time data. So we, we're getting uh, information much more 
much more quickly. Um, and also, you know, keep in mind that the inflation that we've been experiencing um, really had two causes. One was all of the fiscal stimulus, and of course that creates um, more demand, and you can address that with higher interest rates. But the other cause was supply-related. We had a lot of supply chain constraints, and you, you, can't, you can't solve that problem by raising interest rates. So we're already seeing that inflation is coming down pretty dramatically, um, and uh, I, think, I think it's time for the Fed to seriously think about stopping. Vahan Jenjigian, Chief Investment Officer with Greenwich Wealth Management based in Greenwich, Connecticut. Coming up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, things to check off before the end of the year. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, and as the end of the year approaches, there are some important things to do with your money. Let's check in with Craig Bolanos, founding partner and chief executive officer of the Wealth Management Group in Inverness and Downers Grove. Craig, thanks for joining us today. Uh, First off, it sounds like a lot of the housekeeping you can do relates to staying one step ahead of the tax man. Oh, you bet you're right. As we come into the end of the year, everybody needs to grab their pay stub, take a look if they have portfolio income, side hustles, and make sure at the end of the day you have had enough money withheld from your paycheck or for the self-employed, make sure you've paid enough money in because there's a saving grace Everybody who is underwithheld can still make a fourth quarter tax estimate for 2022 by January 17th, 2023. So let's eliminate the underestimated tax penalties and interest and get enough paid in. And uh, even if you also check your withholding too, right, for, for from your paycheck. And th- this has been a, a big surprise for a lot of people, especially since the uh, uh, tax reform bill was signed in 2017. You got a little higher take-home pay every two weeks, but then you might find out uh, when you're filling out your 1040 in uh, February or March or April, if you like to push it that far, that maybe uh, that refund you were used to uh, turned into a check you had to write. Well, especially with changes and the elimination of some enhanced child tax credits, and you're right as always, Rob, on point, ever since that tax Tax Cut and Jobs Act came in under the last administration. Everyone's getting more money in their paycheck because they updated the withholding allowance tables. So let's keep it simple. Use a quick online calculator after you check the amount that's been withheld from your paycheck to make sure you're not having too little withheld because we don't want people to be in a position who are expecting to break even or get a refund, only to find out that they owe money on top of the holiday credit card bills next spring. That's going to be a double dose of a financial hangover. We can all get in front of it right now today. And then just some housekeeping things that you can do between now and the end of the year is uh, take a look at your saving, not only your personal saving rate, but your retirement saving. Absolutely. If you are not contributing to your 401k plan, got to get it done. If you're self-employed, you have to fund an IRA, a SEP IRA, a solo K. And for all of those who are working and are hoping that they're going to receive a pay raise this next year, whether that pay raise is 2%, 5%, somewhere in between, I challenge everybody, increase the percentage deferral into your 401k. So if you're getting a 3% bump, maybe increase the amount that's going in your 401k by say 1%. Your future retirement plans will thank you. And of course, as you mentioned, it's not just retirement savings, it's good old fashioned savings. So for those who have cash in the bank, those 
who have an emergency fund, make sure you're getting a good interest rate on that emergency fund because there are high yield savings accounts today paying north of 3%. And boy, I haven't seen rates like that since 2007. And there are some, there are a lot of uh, great things you can buy and uh, a lot of great deals out there, especially on big ticket items now that the supply chain crunch is eased. But uh, before you take the plunge, you should probably think about uh, how you're going to buy it. Well, you know, when people retire, they create a plan. When people strategize about things, they create a plan, like vacation. Who goes on vacation without a plan? You need to make sure you have a holiday gift-buying plan, because if you don't, you'll wake up with a financial hangover in January that isn't going to be cured with Tylenol and a simple, what's that drink that everyone has? A Bloody Mary. So what do I tell everybody to do? Let's be serious. Write down all of those that you have to buy for, and create a budget. Because when you have a budget going into the holiday season, it might not feel as fun and free, but afterwards, because your budget tells your money where to go, you'll know how much you can spend. January's not going to be a bad month. Craig Bolanos, founding partner and chief executive officer of the Wealth Management Group in Inverness and Downers Grove. Thanks for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday and still to come, selling a gift card for cash. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Your collection of gifts this Christmas may include a gift card that you can't use. So what do you do about it? Let's get some help from Ted Rossman, industry analyst with CreditCards.com based in New York. Ted, thanks for joining me today. Uh, I, I've been following this the, the underground economy of gift cards for 20 years, and the amount of unused value out there is is staggering. It was a staggering number in 2003, and it's an even more staggering number today. It really is. Yeah, it works out to $21 billion across the U.S. 47% of us have at least one unused gift card. And the average among those people is $175 a person. This is real money. My top advice is put it to work. If you can't use it for yourself, maybe buy a gift for somebody else or give them the card itself. Or if worse comes to worse, sell the card. There are websites like cardcash.com that let you sell these. You probably get something like 70 to 80 cents on the dollar. Uh, So not quite as good as using it yourself, but hey, it sure beats gathering dust in a drawer somewhere. And if that card is gathering dust in a drawer somewhere, you run the risk of either the business uh, disappearing uh, or the the gift card processor going out of business. We waited so long to, uh, to to cash in a gift card that we received for our wedding 11 years ago that the uh, the, comp- <laughs> the the business was still around, but its gift card provider had gone belly up uh, some years ago, and they were nice enough to give us a new one, but that's a risk you run. It is. We found about half of us have lost money for one of these reasons. 29% let a gift card expire. 25% lost a gift card. 19% didn't use one. And then the business went out of business. Inactivity fees can be a thing as well. Most gift cards nowadays don't expire. If they do, it has to be at least five years in the future. But inactivity fees can kick in after just 12 months of non-use. And that can pretty quickly eat away at the value Plus, inflation's eating away at the value as it is. So it's better to use these sooner, not later. 
And then if you have to, if you want to, you're not going to use it. You can't use it. It's it's not relevant to your life. And you want to sell it. Do you simply sell it on a one-for-one basis, or should you be prepared to sell that $100 gift card for 85 It's probably the latter. Yeah, that's the business model of sites like CardCash. ClipCard would be another example. These are basically arbitrage kind of sites where you can actually buy gift cards from them as well at a slight discount. So maybe somebody sells them a $100 gift card, they give that person 85 and then they sell it to somebody else for 95 let's say. Um, so that's kind of the economics there. I've used some of these sites. It actually can work out for you, but you don't get full value. So that's where I would say if you can buy something for yourself – or for somebody else on your gift list, or consider giving the card itself, that's how you get full value. But the resale option is not bad, especially given the alternative of just letting it languish. Ted Rossman, industry analyst with CreditCards.com, based in New York. Thanks for joining us today. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.